Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. So I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education, and we're delighted to um, run these webinars for you. We've been running them through COVID for a couple of years now, and we all carry on because the feedback we get is that they're useful. Um, and I'm delighted we've got a good team with us today. We've got Dawn Charlcraft, our Director, Director of Primary Care, Michelle Lombardi, one of our Directors of Primary Care, and Zoe Tobin, our new Nurse Advisor. And it's particularly lovely to welcome you, Zoe, and thank you so much for coming and spending the time with us. We know you're very busy, you've got all sorts of things going on, um, so it's great to see you with us. So as usual, we'll rattle through a few sort of hot topics that we think will be useful for you. Please do add any questions you've got in the chat, not in the chat, box. I say that, don't I? not in the chat, in the Q&A box, if you possibly can, because then we can all see it and we can add links if we need to. Um, so best to use the Q&A box rather than the chat box. And I think so, we are going to talk a little bit um, about a new cleanliness standard that have come in. I think we don't know too much at the moment, but I think things are, things are on their way, aren't they? So it's, um, if you can just share that with us, take, take stuff off, off mute and share that with us that would be lovely thank you yeah i just wanted to say hi to everyone just to introduce myself so as louise said there i'm sorry tobin so um just thought i'd give you a little bit of background about myself um uh, so i've been a registered nurse for 18 years um 11 years of the last seven years been in primary care so i've been um, a practice nurse um and my current role is um a nursing team manager in, in a fairly large practice in bsw um, and within that role, I managed the nursing team with um, various skills and qualifications there. Um, I'm also a practice assessor to some of our students and our apprentices. Um, and I'm also IPC lead, which is why um, I wanted to bring to everyone's attention today um, the National Standards of Healthcare Cleansiness Guidelines, guidance that came out. You probably are familiar with it because it was um, released April last year. At that point, we we did um, put some documentation on the website, which is still on there. So the links are on there if you want to go and um, access the guidance. Um, and basically, at that point, we were looking at just breaking it down because it's very secondary care focused. Um, and we were trying to make it more um, primary care uh, relatable. Um, and actually, page nine of the documentation is specifically primary care. Um, uh, the reason that I'm bringing this up now is obviously um, we now have until November this year to be compliant to those guidelines. Um, and there's a little bit of work involved to get to that point. So probably need to start looking at that now. Um, the guidance is quite big. Um, and as I said, it's it's quite aimed at secondary care. So we are looking at ways to uh, make that more simple. So we are going to be looking at working with the local um, ICS um, IPC leads, um, which are a good uh, resource for everyone to access because they would have been working on these standards already um, and we are looking to link in with one area um, IPC lead to see if we can get them to kindly come and um, explain the standards in simple terms on one of the practice work, uh, practice manager webinars in the next few weeks hopefully. Um, just a, an overview so the guidance is there to make um, uh, the IPC uh, a collaborative approach. So it means that it involves everyone. It becomes everyone's responsibility. Um, and it is to be transparent to the, the public, the general public um, and visitors to the practice. So it will be everything we already do, um, but we will also be transparent in the sense that we will be looking at what are our cleaning processes, whose are the responsibilities. Um, and we will end up with star ratings um, but again, hopefully we will be able to make all of that process simplified once we work on that as well. Um, 
The other thing I just wanted to bring to your attention is some guidance that's recently been updated, which ties in quite nicely with the with those standards and really does help with uh, things like getting your policies up together. Um, there's posters and um, best practice flowcharts, and those can all be accessed on the uh, National Infection Prevention and Control Manual for England. So again, we will be able to share all those resources with you as well. And I look forward to working with everyone and I'm here to support any needs that you have from the nursing perspective. Thank you, Zoe. That is really helpful. So it kind of fills us with dread, doesn't it? More, more legislation, more sort of rules to follow, more things to do. And it, is infection control and cleanliness, are they the same things? Or are they different things? Or do we not even know that yet? So basically, um, the cleanliness, it, it, it's everything we already do. Um, but the cleansiness, when we do the auditing part of the cleansiness standards, um, that's when we are looking more at cleansiness rather than the generic um, annual audits that we'd walk around and do for general infection control precautions. Um, and as I said, it's really about highlighting who's, who's responsible for the cleaning and, and taking a, a whole collaborative approach in terms of working with your cleaning companies um, any and so it's it's everybody so everybody's working off the same page basically okay so um you will take, take us through this and help us more and no doubt we can um, do something um with the practice nurses as well as the practice managers that would help us if there's more detail that we need to do a question has come in um zoe can the guidance that came out last year be resent so much water under the bridge since then yes kate i completely agree so we'll update our website page won't we um and um the guidance, the link, original guidance will be on there, won't there? And as we learn more, we will talk more. Um, but it's great to have the heads up and it's wonderful that you're with us. And we've already found lots of things that um, we want help with for Zoe. So we just have to remember she's only with us for two days, but two brilliant days. And it's fantastic to have us with it, um, have you within our team. So thank you. And, and you know, hope, hopefully you'll come back on these webinars um, when you've got something that you think would be useful. And um, of course, flu will be looming quite soon, won't it? It's always ever present, isn't it? So that will also be a really useful thing. So thank you, Zoe. That was really helpful. Okay, I think we're going to go on to you now, Michelle, and we're going to have a little look at fit notes, please. Yes, so I think, um, thanks, Louise. I think most people, or some people, will be aware that the uh, arrangements around fit notes has been updated, and this was a, with effect from the 1st of July. So last Friday, that enables nurses, occupational therapists um, uh, issue fit notes. Okay, so um, as mentioned, the new guidance uh, from the 1st of July that uh, those particular cohorts can now issue fit notes. Just wanted to highlight that the government has now um, issued the guidance in relation to that. So that's available on the gov.uk website, which I'm sure we will post either in the chat or we'll add with this um, webinar. It is also going to be coming out, I believe, uh, with our newsletter this week. They also have undertaken and offered a training package. So this is through the e-learning for health. And there's two separate modules and topics that um, the, those uh, uh, occupations need to undertake. And what we are going to do, we've identified, um, we're going to work with a practice to uh, look through the training and to just bring back in the next few weeks to a PM webinar, the key highlights and the key headlines that you just need to be aware of um, when undertaking this uh, piece of work in training. 
So I think I'm next on the agenda, aren't yes, I? Yes, and Zoe, we will certainly put the um, FitNote training. We've got the two links. Um, Zoe's, in fact, had a little look at them for us. We think they're going to be helpful. We don't think we probably need to do anything else for you um, because we think it's quite self-explanatory. But as we find out more, um, we will do more um, on that. And as I say, yeah, links will go out in, with, with this and in the newsletter. So, yes, thank you, Michelle. I think you're going up now. covid Yes, I'm thinking of going the COVID vaccination program initially. So um, most may be aware that the enhanced service was uh, specification was issued within the last week, and this will cover the period of the 1st of September 2022 to the 31st of March 2023. I think the first thing to highlight is that there is now a reduced um, item of service fee. So it was £12.58. They've now reduced it to £10.06. But really, this is um, bringing it in line with the other item of service payments uh, for IMS and VAX. And also just to highlight, there is an additional supplement payment of £10 per dose for any housebound patients. So it's really just to highlight that this has been released. A few other bits of information in relation to that. So practices um, and PCNs need to make the decision by the 14th of July and uh, by five o'clock on that day. And there are a few things that they're asking uh, practicing PCNs to uh, be able to offer. So they must have the ability to administer all um, adult vaccines to enable uh, resilience across the area. Uh, they're asking that there is no, so if you're going to provide the COVID vaccination program, there's no impact on any other services and that the vaccine, so when the vaccine's given for it to be uh, recorded on the day it's given and that you need to look at how you could respond if there is a need to increase capacity, so a surge in requirement around vaccines. So really just a bit about the phase five. So this covers patients um, in all adult health and care homes. So I can see Dawn's got possibly had a hand up then. Did you? Oh, sorry. I think she's okay. waiting for a colleague, actually, Michelle. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. I was rambling through it. So no, anyway, sorry. Sorry, Dawn. Um, so phase five, uh, patients in all, um, all patients in adult care homes, and these are to be given within 10 weeks of the start of the contract. It'll also be for housebound patients in immo immunosuppressed. Um, I think they're asking you to agree with your commissioner, so your ICS, how many you're going to deliver each week, and that they are encouraging um, practices and PCNs to give the COVID vaccine when there's other visits with the patient. So um, I think that's all on the COVID vaccination programme, but there is another bit around COVID in general. Um, so this is around children aged five to 11 years. They can now obtain a recovery letter uh, for travel for showing evidence of a positive COVID-19 PCR test within 180 days. So I know that this, they had, I think they had it for obviously over 12s before they've now put something in place for uh, children between five and 11. And that can be as a parents or legal guardians can go onto the NHS website and access that, or they can call 119 who will be able to help them with that. I think that's what I wanted to say. I noticed there's some questions coming in. I don't know. I haven't looked to see if there are around yes, these topics. There are, there are. They are, are for you. Um, so just one's coming. In terms of the item of service, I understand bringing in line, but the £10.06 has been static for a few years now. Is there any likelihood with costs going up of this increasing at some point? I think that's a really good question. And I think that's something we would we'll take up with the BMA. You're absolutely right. It hasn't gone up over the last few years. It's been static. Um, and yeah, and costs are absolutely increasing. So we need to take that away and check with the BMA what discussion's happening. Unless, I don't know, Dawn, if you know any other um, discussions, I'm not aware of any. No, I'm not aware of any. And when I asked the BMA about something else, not item of service fees, but a similar cost, um, stating that this particular cost hadn't gone up, um, the reply was, unfortunately, that yes, they understood 
agreed with us. Great. Um, but actually, um, this year particularly, as we know, there was some disengagement and they weren't part of the uh, discussions and negotiations with NHS England this year. Um, so unfortunately, they weren't able to uh, influence or advise any further on that. But watch this space. We won't give up, will we? We will just keep fighting that one. Michelle, there's just another similar, on the longer similar lines, unlike the other vaccinations, the work required to deliver COVID in the way we're told to is far more demanding as a 1006 doesn't reflect that. So I think that's a sort of similar. I think that's a really good bit of feedback. I think it will be a practice decision and a PCN decision as to whether um, you sign up and you need to make that decision. We do have the costings, um, uh, costing of a service spreadsheet if you need, if that's something you wanted to run it through, so you can look at um, whether it, you know, you're able to provide it. Uh, and yeah, it'll be a PCN and practice decision. That's a good point, actually. So Dawn, we could probably put that on as a link, can we, to the website? Um, these, these these summary spreadsheet for costing a service. That would be great. Um, another one, well, COVID vaccinations provided within the PCN outside of core hours be included in our extended hours? I'm really sorry. I don't know the answer to that and whether that's going to be a, a able. Having said that, when you look at the spec for extended hours, it does... Yeah, so I presume they're talking about from the 1st of October, so the new... Um, process and the new way of working I'm assuming that's what it yes, means. Yes I would assume so. Um, it does actually say that it can be a, ver a variety of different offers and uh, different services so I think that's a really good question and we probably need to go and find the answer to whether that's possible. Okay so thanks David we will look more into that. Um, about COVID-19 vaccine is it going to remain as a multi-dose if so how can we do housebound opportunistically with other needs to finish the to visit the patient unless six to ten patients need it at the same time. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's all about the vials, isn't it? Do we know if it's going to come, so how, how the COVID vaccine is going to come this year? I'm not sure is the answer to that. We'll take those, those two questions away. I think they're really good questions, and yeah. we'll um, come back to the, everyone on that. I've just got a feeling over the next, as, as we do these now, as we head towards the autumn, we're going to have more and more COVID questions coming in. So as much as we know, we'll always share it with you in this uh, in this way um, and obviously through the newsletter and on our website so thank you very much David and thank you for all those questions that was, that was useful to get that discussion going so thank you um, Michelle I think that's that's COVID over for, for now um, I think um, Dawn we're going to go to PCSE and I think you might want me to share my screen yes if you would Louise there's just one slide um, I thought or hoped it might be helpful to show anyway so PCSE have uh, been working with key stakeholders to produce a new guide for GPs and non-GP partners who are planning to retire or take 24-hour retirement. Um, <clears throat> the guide that they've produced, um, it, it, there is a link for it already on our website, um, and we can also add it to this recording. Um, but this is one of the uh, pages within their guide because it has a six-step six retirement process. And I did think it was perhaps quite helpful and clearly set out. Um, they do say here, uh, mention step three. I'd like to point out, it says to, to submit your AW8 four to six months before retirement date. From recent experience with people who are struggling to get their AW8 and pensions processed, I'd say uh, on the side of caution there and go for the six months. Uh, four months might cut it a bit fine and it might not get to where you might want it to be at the right time. So I know they say four to six months, but I definitely err on the caution of the, the six months there. 
So uh, PCSE have put this guide together because they said they did recognise that the end of year, uh, sorry, the end process to claim your pension and benefits is complex, um, and and they do want to try and improve the experience with GPs and non-GPs partners at this um, time. Um, so if you want to take a look at the whole guide, it like I said. We'll attach it to this podcast and it is also available on our website. Uh, it's on our pensions page, PCSE page and 24-hour retirement page. I don't think we need the slide now. Thanks, Louise. Um, and moving on, um, still on the subject of PCSE, uh, historical statements and open exeter. Um, now, PCSE have been informed by NHS Digital that you can still access and download historical practice statements on Open Exeter, but only until Sunday the 31st of July. There is information on NHS Digital if you wanted to see it. So if there are any historical statements that you haven't yet got and you need or would like, please do visit Open Exeter and download those before the 31st of July. PCSE say that you can access statements from 2014-2015 financial year to the present day on PCSE online now. So hopefully you will be able to get what you need there. Uh, and the other thing that uh, PCSE just wanted to highlight, um, and you might have already read this in one of the NHS England bulletins, um, is to confirm people coming to the UK from the Ukraine will already have an NHS number as these are flowing um, from the visa process. So uh, please ensure you search for an existing NHS number when you're registering or if you're registering um, anybody coming in from the Ukraine, because it's likely that they will already be in the system and have an NHS number. They do also realise, of course, there will be some exceptions to that um, and uh, due to circumstances perhaps of individuals arriving in the UK um, and where they do need a new NHS number. But by and large, those coming from the Ukraine should already have one and it should be in the system. And the only other thing um, just to sort of highlight really is uh, GP employment changes. When I say GP employment changes, I mean those that that the performers will need to go on to PCSE online and instigate themselves. If a GP uh, principal or salaried GP needs to update any of their employment details, part of that process might require approval either from the CCG or a performer list practice manager. Rather, I should practice manager within obviously the practice who has the performer list um, role dedicated to, to their, um, you know, their PCSE online approvals. So there's two uh, scenarios that a, a performer or a salaried GP might see. If they go on to change their performer list status, they might have moved practice or they might be doing 24-hour retirement. Um, so when they've gone on to the performer list uh, page on PCSE online, they might either see uh, a message that says waiting for details this means that it's pending uh, approval from a performer list practice manager or they'll see a message that says awaiting NHSE and that means that it's waiting approval from the CCG. PCSE can't actually do anything about that. They need the people at the other end to actually make those approvals before effectively then those changes will 
be made. So I think what they're saying is some of these things are getting stuck in the system. And what we need is for the approvals to actually be actioned. So it's quite possible. I'm afraid there'll be emails in inboxes that say you need to action something on PCSE online. And, and unless that's done, the, the actual process doesn't move forward. Um, and I think they probably put that message out because we've seen quite a few of those issues just lately. Well, more than a few. Anyway, do get in touch if you have any problems with any of that. I'm sure you will and do. We do see quite a few for PCSE, understandably. Yeah. But we'll do what we can. Thanks, Dawn. Um, every bite-sized webinar I'm, I'm on when we're talking about finances, PCSE comes up every time. Um, but we're doing our very best to sort of wade our way through that. And Dawn is particularly expert at helping us with that. And it's very, very useful that you bring through these, these um, tidbits that you're picking up from them to make life a little bit easier as, as we can do. Um, just one question about the Ukraine registrations has come in, Dawn. Um, we've had a few Ukraine registrations where the Home Office have got the wrong date of birth wow. and this affects the search. So that's just useful for a sort of point of information, really useful to know. Thanks, Mal. That's, that's helpful. Um, I think we've got a little reminder um, for patients now, Michelle. Uh, we have, Louise. It was really just to um, mention that over the last few months, we've had a number of patients contact, contact us directly at the office. Um, recognise that some of these could be as a consequence of our website, obviously, because it's public facing and anybody could look at it and will contact us if they've got queries. But we've also had a few patients who have said the practice has directed them to us. And it was really just to remind practices, a gentle reminder that um, we're not actually set up to, to help patients and work with patients, unfortunately. Um, and therefore, we're having to either signpost them mostly back to the practices but maybe if we can help, we'll signpost them onto the relevant organisation. So it's really just to remind uh, practices that we are not always able to help. We're not, we're not here to help patients. We're actually here to help you. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really just to ask if practices could uh, rem be remembered, recognising that our patient, uh, um, our website is patient facing or pu public facing. Yeah, that's important. Thanks, Michelle. And I think you're going on about um, GPs with um, for travel medication um, that's right so we've had um, the bma have given us an update that there are some airlines who are advising travelers if they're bringing medication in their hand luggage that they need to bring a letter from their gp um just to be aware the bma are raising this with the airlines to say this isn't um this isn't needed and isn't acceptable but in the interim just to remind practices that patients can um, print off their medical record through the nhs app Alternatively, if practices are issuing any letters, you are able to travel. Uh, you are able to charge for this um, if they're travel-related requests, um, because this is a non-contractual um, requirement. Lovely, thank you, Michelle. Um, just a couple of little bits from me now. So, really pleased um, that the IGPM, the Institute of General Practice Management, has now launched its accreditation program. So now they can. Um, through that organisation, can now accredit practice managers to be um, a member of the Institute of General Practice Management. And it's great to have that sort of a bit of kudos and a bit of value to all the wonderful work you're doing. The IGPM is the only national organisation run by practice managers for practice managers 
I was involved um, a little bit at the start and I've been a little bit involved in the accreditation process as has another ex-practice manager, um, Michelle Petrie. Um, so they've had, they only want it to be useful. So I hope that will be interesting for you and useful. Um, and I think um, we still struggle with the fact that the £20,000 for, um, for new partners isn't available for practice managers too. And I don't think that's going to happen now. I think at one point it thought it would, then the IGPM was partly um, partly formed on the basis that actually we want one registered list, this will really help. Not sure that's going to happen now, but actually it can only help to have a list of registered practice managers as members of the IGPM. So that's just a, a nice thing to pass on to you if you weren't already aware. Um, and finally, we've got um, the 1st of July, the um, Oliver McGowan mandatory training in learning disability and autism came in, and you may have been aware of that. So from the 1st of July, um, training has to happen now for all those giving health and social care um, who are CQC registered, and training will be published in the next 12 months. So even though the standard came in for the 1st of July, the training isn't out there for you yet. So I've been contacted by a few people saying, oh, where's the training? It isn't done. It isn't, it isn't out there. If you wanted to get ahead of the game and wanted to give some sort of training to any of your staff in learning disabilities and autism, um, Michelle reported a very interesting podcast, it's only 15 minutes, an audio podcast with Becky Sparks, who is a registered learning disability nurse, about how to make practices, how to encourage practices to make changes to their systems to encourage those with the learning dis disabilities to receive a flu jab. So that just might be something that's interesting for you to listen to with your teams and perhaps your teams of nurses and reception staff. And that's just a 15 minutes audio podcast. We've also got um, a recorded webinar, which we did in the autumn, learning disabilities in patients, autism, what is our role in primary care, when we've got actually an expert patient and experienced speaker talking about what it's like to experience healthcare when you've got autism. So again, that should be interesting to watch. Again, that might be something you want to share with your team to sort of get ahead in the game in this. But as we hear more and learn more we will share with you and it certainly will be something that CQC will be looking at in times to come but um, everybody realizes that now that actually the training really the official training isn't out there yet but again I'll put two links um, to those resources if, if they are of interest to you and if you want to find out more do come back to us and we've got a couple of live webinars coming up in the autumn um, on autism um, which should help also. So the final thing is just to remind you that our next webinar is actually next Wednesday. So we're, we're not doing it. We usually do alternate Wednesdays, but for various diary issues, we're going to do it on the 13th of July. So we'll come back next week um, to give you any more information we've got. We always think, oh, perhaps we haven't got much to share this week, but that always seems to be quite a lot, doesn't there? So unless um, Dawn, Michelle or Zoe, you've got anything else to share with us, we haven't got any more open questions. I think I'll probably round it off for today. Thank you particularly to Zoe for being with us today. It's so nice to, to have you with us. Um, and we look forward to you coming many, many more times. Um, and um, have a good rest of your afternoon, everybody. Have a good week. Take care. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.